0: hello again everyone and welcome to episode 86 of now we're talking i'm rob danish from the university of waterloo and uh, this is a podcast about communication skills so it has admittedly been quite a while since uh, i've made an episode mostly because uh, life has been consumed by the pandemic and uh, working from home and having kids not in school and all that stuff Uh, I've also been preparing to teach a course that I've never taught before called Leadership Teams and Communication. Um, And in the course of preparing that course, uh, obviously there's stuff you leave out. There's stuff you just don't get to talk about or don't get to cover. So when I make a a syllabus for a course, there's like a whole lot I want to talk about, and then I narrow it back down to just a few weeks' worth of material. So this week, I want to talk about something that I left off, and uh, get us back to talking about persuasion um, and some of the important components of the process of persuasion as it relates to communication. Um, Anyway, so the the concept on the table today for this episode of the podcast is called reactance, and reactance um, is a psychological phenomenon, and it... Occurs usually when there's a kind of restriction put in place. But for my purposes or for the purposes of thinking about communication practices, reactance is a kind of unpleasant psychological state that happens when someone feels their freedom is lost or is threatened. So when someone feels they're losing their freedom and their agency, they kind of feel this kind of unpleasant sense. And what it has to do with uh, persuasion or communication is that reactance, the the kind of phenomenon of reactance, creates in lots of people what we might call an anti-persuasion radar. Um, It's a kind of willingness or ability to, or, or a desire to see one's own ability as driven by oneself and uh, a desire to push back when someone else is telling us what we can do. So um, if someone tells me that I can't text while driving, or uh, here's another one, I, I take my dog to this uh, park in Toronto and um, it's like, kind of like long park around a, a river or a stream, and, uh, it's really great to have your dog off a leash in this thing, but of course there are signs everywhere that you have to walk your dog on the leash. So as soon as someone says, you know, you, you really need to walk your dog on a leash in this park, my instinct is to sort of say, no, 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 I'll, I'm going to do whatever I want. So if I want to walk my dog without a leash, I can do that. Um, that's not an uncommon reaction by people because it is the psychological kind of phenomenon of reactance at work it's someone saying look i don't want you to tell me what to do i want to have the freedom to do whatever it is i want to do and of course like persuasion is a process of getting someone to do something and sometimes uh they don't want to do it um this gets us back to our earlier conversations about push and pull tactics of persuasion. So reactance is the psychological phenomenon that explains why push tactics of persuasion just don't work. Uh, so if you tell your teenager not to date someone, they're gonna wanna date that person. Uh, if you tell people uh, what not to do, you know, if you tell people that um, smoking is bad for you, they might want to actually start smoking um so uh people think so uh, let me start over okay if you're communicating with people using push tactics of persuasion if you're trying to get someone to do something you have to be aware of the psychological phenomena of reactance because it means every time you push them they're likely to resist or want to do the opposite of what you're saying and so there's a lot of examples of people, you know, starting off ad campaigns, you know, do X, do X, do X. And it actually manufactures more of not X because the more we tell people to do something, the more they want to do the opposite or not do the thing that we're trying, trying, trying to get them to do. Um, so uh, what you really want is you want someone to think they are doing what they want, not what you want them to do. So people have to see their actions as driven by their own thoughts and their own preferences, or else they're likely not to engage in those actions. Uh, So if you want someone, for example, to buy a hybrid car, they're only going to be interested in buying a hybrid car because they see it as their own idea and their own preference. And you can't tell them to buy a, a hybrid car because it's in the best interest of the environment and push that on them. They have to come to the conclusion That it's their preferences and their thoughts and their ideas that are driving the purchase. Um, So that's, so, so, you know, in other words, Reactance happens, um, so this is even, Reactance is so strong that sometimes a person might want to do something. Let's say a person, uh, I'm a chair of a department, so let's say a person really wants to teach a a specific course and uh, I need them to teach this course. So I go and I try and persuade them by pushing them to teach it. i say, you know what? I really need you to teach this course, you know, that's in the best interest of the department. It would be really helpful for me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That person then may take all that information and say, you know what? I don't want to teach that course because they feel like they're being pressured into it. And reactance is kind of that unpleasant feeling of being pressured into it. Even though they wanted to do it in the first place, they still might resist. Um, so take for example, a new workplace initiative that's trying to get people to speak up in meetings. So there might be lots of people that already wanna speak up. Uh, so the in- initiative should be really easy. Um, but if the initiative crowds out people's ability to see their own behavior as freely driven, it might backfire. So if someone who is wants to speak up in a meeting has an alternative explanation uh, for why they'd speak up, You know, in other words, that they're not doing so because they wanna want to, but because the initiative told them to. Then they're more likely to not to still not speak up. In other words, it's the reactance is interfering with their ability to see their decisions as as their own. And if they don't want to feel like they're just going along with a directive, they could feel they could just stay silent. Um, Okay, so this is is reactance in communication situations if you want to persuade people, especially in in interpersonal situations and small group situations. So if you're trying to persuade someone, you have to allow for their agency. You have to. If you push too hard, reactants will ensure that they'll resist and do the opposite. So in other words, to avoid reactants and avoid what I might call the anti-persuasion radar, um, you need to catalyze their uh, change by allowing for their agency. you need to get people to persuade themselves, in other words. Um, So, um, you know, we have to think in terms of communication, what set of practices do we have available to us that would activate another person's agency so that they're not feeling pushed to do the thing that we want them to do? Um, I think in communication practices, there are generally four practices that um can help us avoid reactance and help us um help allow people to feel their agency as driving a a communication process Um, and i think that's the important point i'll get to the four practices here in a second but what i'm trying to say is that if you want to practice persuasion you have to know that people don't want to be pushed and are likely to resist that feeling of being pushed because of the phenomenon of reactants, they're going to feel uncomfortable or, or not good when they're being pushed, and they're going to want to resist. What that tells us is that people really want to feel their own freedom. They want to feel like they have agency in something. So the trick is not to push them, uh, but to get them to feel that sense of agency in or in a, through a communicative process. Um. So there's four, I think, communication practices that allow people to feel their own agency and then could facilitate the process of persuasion without activating reactants. So I think the purpose of of this episode is to think about how you avoid activating reactants and how you get people uh, feeling their own agency so they feel like they're uh, an integral part of the communication process. So one way to allow for agency is to just let people pick their own path, to let them choose how they get where you are and hope that they'll go along the way. Uh, I think parents use this a lot. Like I, I do it as a parent, maybe less so now that my kids are a little bit older. But if you want to tell your toddler or your like three-year-old or four-year-old that they have to eat their broccoli, that's a push tactic of persuasion, and it fails. If you tell a four-year-old, you, need, you must eat your broccoli now. They're going to be like, no, I don't want to eat my broccoli. Uh, if they're not interested in broccoli or chicken, pushing it on them is going to make is gonna build their resistance because of the phenomenon of reactants. So instead of pushing, a, a smart parent sort of gives a toddler a choice. So which do you want to eat first, the broccoli or the chicken? If you're giving your kid an option, the kid gets to feel like they're in control. They feel psychologically, mom and dad aren't telling me what to do. I'm picking what I want to eat. Um, but by selecting the options of course mom and dad are shaping the decision so this is uh, how nudging works this is an integral part of persuasion but so by providing a menu of choices you are 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 disabling the reactants you're disabling reactants allowing person a person to feel agency but at the same time shaping the decision um, so that your toddler is still going to eat the food she needs to be eating in an order she chooses, but the fact that she gets to choose uh, makes it makes her feel like um, she has agency and undermines the psycho the psychological phenomenon of reactance. Smart bosses do the same thing. Um, you know, a potential new hire that wants to negotiate, uh, regardless of what they're offered, that you know the new hire will ask for more. Well one way to deal with that is that the the hiring person, hiring manager can offer a couple of choices, you know, an extra week vacation or five thousand dollars in salary, uh, you know, and they get to pick. And then letting the potential hire choose um, makes them feel like they have a more active role in the process and hopefully it satisfies this, their need to negotiate. Um, and if the the boss or the manager is equally happy with all the options, the kind of menu of options, leaves everybody in a good place or, or feeling good. Um, so that's, I, I think the first practice, communication practice you can use instead of pushing that will avoid reactants is giving people a set of choices. Um, if you try to convince people to do something, they're gonna spend a lot of their time counter arguing. They're gonna spend a lot of time thinking about all the various reasons why it's a bad idea or why someone else would be better or, I don't want to do what was suggested. But if you give people some options, they might shift their mindset into thinking about what they want to do rather than inventing counter arguments. So instead of thinking about what's wrong with whatever being suggested, they have to think about which suggestion is actually better. Uh, and this kind of gets them on board uh, with the communicative process. So, you know, if you have a partner that is always um, griping about how their their significant other shoots down all their suggestions for dinner, you know, if someone asks where do you want to go to dinner, and so what do you feel like doing this weekend, and you know you say oh I feel like tacos for dinner and the other and whatever you say the other person is like no tacos is a bad idea they're always shooting you down. Well give them a choice. Uh, you say um, you know what do you think about having uh, tacos or sushi tonight. As soon as you do that, they're not going to invent counter-arguments for one or the other. They're going to invent a justification for why one is better than the other, and you'll have avoided reactants. But the the reason that they're bristling is because you're trying to push one choice on them. Uh, okay, second tactic is a tactic we've talked a lot about in this podcast. It's just questions, asking questions instead of telling people things. Uh, asking questions allows for agency um, and, you, you know, it it's the easiest communication practice for allowing for agency. Um, you know the if if you get a bunch of students, um, let's say you get a bunch of students that, let's say you get a bunch of students that are um, that are really want to do well in class and that are demanding that you know they all get A's, uh, and you try to explain to them, look, not everybody gets an A, and A is an exceptional grade. It's really rare. And they start arguing with you about that. Well, one way to disable that interaction is just to ask them questions. Well, what does doing good look like for you? Uh, what would it mean if you did well? Are you familiar with the amount of work other students have put in, in this class? Um, how much do you study? Uh, how much do you think is appropriate to study? So asking a bunch of questions of those students changes their, their position. Um, so questions do a couple of things. They shift the listener's role. I mean, that's the thing they do that's most important, I think. So rather than counter-arguing or thinking about all the reasons they disagree with you or with a statement, they have to occupy a different task. They have to figure out an answer to the question they've been asked. asked, And they have, to, they have to figure out how they feel about it or their opinion about it. And most people are really happy to do that. Uh, but questions also increase buy-in. So because people may not want to follow someone else's lead they're and they're more likely to follow their own, the answer to the question isn't just any answer, it's their answer. And because it's their own personal answer, and reflects their own personal thoughts and beliefs and preferences, that answer is more valuable to them, it's it's much more likely to drive them to action. Um, so asking questions uh, avoids reactance and increases buy-in, buy especially when pushing isn't working. Um, you can also highlight a gap in someone's Uh, beliefs and behaviors Uh, there was this famous experiment done in thailand where um so you know if you're a smoker it's common that someone can come up to you and ask you for a light so they just say can i have a light in thailand they did this experiment where um they had these kids like 10 year old kids go up to someone smoking on the street and say can i have a light and the person smoking on the street is like no you can't smoking kills it's terrible for you uh, while they were smoking. Right, So uh, they did this as a kind of last resort as a public health campaign because telling people to quit smoking wasn't really working. But this little experiment highlighted the gap in the person's actions and their beliefs. They knew that, that smoking was bad for, the, for them, but they were doing it and anyway. They were advising kids not to do it, but they were doing it themselves. So by creating this kind of gap, in a person's behavior and beliefs by kind of in, by highlighting it, that person starts thinking about their own agency, what their what their beliefs really are, and they have to kind of reconcile those set of beliefs. Um, so, so you know, you can always in a communication interaction, uh, and, and this is important. But so you're not telling people your beliefs are dumb. So what those researchers did, they didn't say, oh, you believe smoking is bad for you, you're doing it yourself. Like That's a really stupid thing to do. Um, You're just using the communicative interaction to highlight the gap so that the person sees it, and the person then has to navigate that gap with their own agency. Um, So for example, people who deny climate change exists, they're unlikely to want polluted air for their kids, so you have to highlight the, the, this gap in or this disconnect between what people are saying or doing and what they want or what they recommend for others. Um, so take a project that's not working out. So let's say you work at a company. Uh, there's a project that's going on and it's not working out. Um, it should really be killed off, that project. But some people are really wedded to it. And they're saying, you know, give the project a chance, give it more time. And when they say that, inertia kicks in and they can't seem to kind of let go of the project, even though they should. So rather than trying to just outright convince them to stop the project or kill it or or take it offline or whatever, you should take a different tact. You should shift the reference point. So you might want to say, you know, if you're starting from scratch today, given what you know now, would you suggest starting the project? Or if a new CEO is hired, let's do an exercise where a new CEO is hired. Would that person suggest keeping this project alive? If not, why would, why should we? So you're trying to highlight a kind of dissonance, a kind of gap between a belief and an action or two beliefs. You're trying to bring it to the fore. And that encourages people not only to see the discord, but also to, to try and resolve it. I think that's the important part. So you're avoiding reactance. You're not pushing something on it. And then the, the person has to resolve the discord. The last uh, practice for avoiding reactance is also something we've talked a lot about in this podcast. It's starting with understanding. It's trying to build understanding as a precursor to trust and change uh this is has to do with with empathy uh there's a famous fbi negotiator who started every negotiation the same way he would say hi i'm greg i'm with the fbi are you okay he says that whether the person is a five-year-old or a 50-year-old a suicide a suicidal mom or a murderer it's just his opening line uh it's not formal like this is special agent so and so it's not it's not kind of come out with your hands up we're going to take you out none of those things build trust what this FBI negotiator is trying to do is build a bridge by letting the person talk without judgment and without inserting himself. So you're trying to to uh, build understanding to form a relationship. That's kind of central to FBI negotiation tactics so now. It's sometimes called tactical empathy. Uh, it helps negotiators understand the underlying issue and it gets people talking about themselves. Um, but like I think that's something we've covered a lot. You know, you can you can display or communicate tactical empathy with mirroring, with active listening, etc. Um, so those are the four techniques most likely to overcome reactants, especially in interpersonal and small group situations. So present a, a menu, uh, build understanding, identify um, identify a gap, and now I'm forgetting the fourth one. Um, which was, uh, yeah, ask questions, don't tell people. And this is supposed to build on our earlier work on push tactics of persuasion versus pull tactics of persuasion. And the psychological phenomenon of reactance reminds us that people want their own agency and persuasion is easier when people feel they have a sense of agency in something or they feel like they're not being pushed to do something. Um, I'm experiencing this right now at work. Some people don't wanna do things because they feel like they're being pushed. Other people are pushing, and they don't realize that all they're pushing is just backfiring. It's just making change more difficult or, or less likely. It's a fairly common communication problem. Um, and the, these tactics are the kind of way to get out from under that problem or, or to avoid it or to to solve it. Anyway, that's how you avoid reactants. And if you're seeing reactants in your life, you can try these things out. And, and hopefully reactants will kind of not be a problem if you if you try these practices all right uh thanks everyone for listening i'll be back shortly with another new episode